Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. Psalm 20, verse 7. Good evening, good afternoon, and good morning, and welcome to another episode of Crown and Covenant. I'm your boy Warren, along with my friends Chris and Larry. Hey, hey, <laughs> you want a war? He just found a good reason for war. <laughs> I think I did. <laughs> no, You're Lawrence, asking for Lawrence. War. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do it. Uh, I've been waiting to do it. I've been yeah. dying to do uh, it. <laughs> You're out of control. We're going to have to take that mic away from you now. Hey, that's fine. I mean, I don't really say much anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. So what's up, guys? What's going How on? How we doing? So. How you doing? been three years since our last podcast oh wait sorry (laughs) pretty much pretty much pretty close to (laughs) so how was everybody's day today oh my day's been just my day was actually long today wasn't a great day longer than any other day longer than any other day yeah it was 25 26 hours i don't know what happened (laughs) 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 i don't know how there must have been that solar eclipse that's funny Uh, that's good that's cool what about you larry Stop, man. <laughs> Look, I'm going home, man. I don't know. You're home already. <laughs> I'm going downstairs. You guys are on your own. No, I'm just kidding. Uh-huh. I so was dude. fine. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> it was going my way about two minutes ago. Uh-huh. Uh, I, don't even, I can't even speak, man. I can't even. This guy. I'm glad you find this funny. It makes me think of that uh, the Dude, this whole episode with <laughs> <laughs> Patrick and he races the pad. He's like, my name is not Rick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. You know it's going to have to come at some point. Yeah. All right. So, so we'll be taking applications for a host position on uh, <laughs> Crown a, and Cover. It was a preemptive right. strike. <laughs> it was not military. It was just... <laughs> It's, it's uh, going to call you Larry 51 times. <laughs> no, it's a targeted strike. Oh, a targeted strike. Uh, <laughs> right. Okay. That's funny. Very funny. <laughs> so what's up, Lawrence? I'm all right. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. Not too much is going on. Just work and family and everything else. And bombing and killing <laughs> and all that good stuff, right? <laughs> Cusp of nuclear war with North Korea. Yeah, right? That's interesting. Yeah. Aside from that. (laughs) Aside from that, you know. (laughs) Not much going on, you know. Everything else is quiet. Actually, I don't want to say, like, oh, I'm, like, really worried about nuclear war in North Korea. It's actually a lot of other places I'm much more concerned about than North Korea. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not a good thing. No. So what are we talking about today, guys? I have no idea. (laughs) There's been no foreshadowing whatsoever <laughs> of our topic oh. for this evening. Oh. <laughs> yeah. What is it good for? I think Absolutely you're going to talk about nothing. basket weaving. <laughs> <laughs> basket weaving. <laughs> yeah, so tonight's topic will be war. And as you notice, we didn't open with the regular music. We thought it would be much more appropriate to tell you what war is good for. Yes. Absolutely nothing. No, that's not entirely true, is it? Entirely true. Sometimes war is necessary. It protects our freedoms. (laughs) (laughs) We're 
not as liberal as we sound, folks. I don't know about that. <laughs> it depends on what here. kind of liberal you're talking about. Yeah. And who you're talking about. <laughs> this guy Warren, I don't know about him sometimes. Me? What? Yeah. He's a hawk. Your status is showing. Oh. I, I'm a, I am a status. <laughs> I don't hide Big it. brother takes care of me. <laughs> I got America tattooed on my chest. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> What's your uncle's name? Uh, <laughs> Sam. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, this is going to be a long episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I got a headache. Yeah, I got a headache already. The sad thing is we're laughing. It's a tinfoil hat cry. that you're wearing. <laughs> I know. Yeah, no, the only reason we're laughing is so we don't cry. Mm. Yeah. No, it's a very serious topic. We do want to discuss war. We're not going to do it too in-depth tonight, but we are going to address it, and we're going to talk about war from the uh, biblical worldview. Because I think a lot of times um, people have equated Christianity with republicanism and Mm -hmm. conservatism, what is today anyways called conservatism, which traditionally would not be called conservatism. But but those two things, or three things, whatever it is, can't be equated. Christianity is not republicanism or... Neoconservatism, as it's called now, um, our views of war, our views of the state, our views of um, national sovereignty, if you will, uh, are very different, or at least ought to be very different. The Bible says some very specific things about what war is and how it should be handled, and. Um, what the final goal is. Uh, Jesus is called the Prince of Peace for a reason. One of the New Covenant promises we read about twice, actually, in the Old Testament. Same exact prophecy in Micah chapter 4 and in Isaiah chapter 2 state that the nations will pound their swords into plowshares and they will not learn war anymore. And that's the new covenant promise, you know. So our desire as Christians and as believers is for peace. We serve the Prince of Peace, so we should be seeking peace, right? right. Jesus mm-hmm. said, blessed are the peacemakers. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that we are to be pacifists, right. but we are to seek peace and pursue it. And that's not just in our interpersonal life, but that's just in general you know, we should not be hawks. We shouldn't be warmongers. We shouldn't uh, have a bloodlust. But we should, whenever possible, uh, be at peace with with people. Mm-hmm. And we should teach that to the nations, right? We are to disciple the nations. And if one of the new covenant promises is uh, the nations pounding their swords into plowshares, the only way they're going to do that is if the law goes forth from Jerusalem. Jerusalem being the church. So we have to teach the nations what God says about war. Mm-hmm. The Bible is very specific as to how as to how war is to be handled and what what it is and uh, and those sorts of things. In the in the law, God gave the kings very specific directions about how they're to govern not only their own people but 
you know, how they're to get along with the nations around them. Do you have that pulled up? I know you're looking at something. Yeah, Deuteronomy 20. There you go. This is Well, these are the rules for war, actually. Not the rules for kings, but the general rules for warfare. Deuteronomy 20 is the laws yeah. for the warfare. Yeah, rules and for then, warfare. Um, in uh, 17. Yeah, 17 is the rules is for the kings. The rules for the kings. Right. You want to read them? Which you have them pulled up, right? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I got, I got it flipped open here. got the old paper. So, Deuteronomy 17, starting in verse 14. When you come to the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you possess it and dwell in it, and then say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me, you may indeed set a king over you whom the Lord your God will choose. One from among your brothers you shall set as a king over you. You may not put a foreigner over you who is not your brother. Only he must not acquire many horses for himself or cause the people to return to Egypt in order to acquire many horses, since the Lord has said to you, you shall never return that way again. And he shall not acquire many wives for himself, lest his heart turn away, nor shall he acquire for himself excessive gold, uh, excessive silver and gold. And uh, following to the end of the chapter, And when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself in a book a copy of this law, approved by the Levitical priest. And it shall be with him, and he shall read it in all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God by keeping all the words of this law and these statutes and doing them, that his heart may not be lifted up above his brothers, and that he may not turn aside from the commandment, either to the right hand or to the left, so that he may continue long in his kingdom, he and his children in Israel. Mm. Amen. So I guess we should unpack that just a wee bit. And see how yeah. that applies, because it can be quite confusing, mm-hmm. I guess. So, like, all right, he shouldn't have horses. Okay. Yeah, That's right. That's weird, but he all right. He shouldn't have horses. He shouldn't have many wives. Mm-hmm. And he shouldn't, like, amass gold, right? There's three things that a king is into amass. Right. Horses, wives, and gold. Well, let's look at the horses first. Biblically speaking, the horses and chariots and those sorts of things were used for aggressive warfare. This is uh, directly what we're talking about here. Um, A righteous nation, a nation that is under the rule of God, um, any nation that wants to call itself Christian, ought not to have a massive invading army. Right. God does not allow for that nation or any nation to have an invading army force a defensive force is one thing we're told over and over in kings that the righteous kings you know and during peacetime set up battlements and things like that things to protect the people there's nothing wrong with having a small force that you can use to defend your nation however you are not to have a massive force that could be used to invade other nations um that's what the chariots and horses were used for. Right. The women, the not multiplying wives, at that time, when you married multiple wives, especially kings, what they would do was marry princesses or queens of other places mm-hmm. for political alliances. They em- embroiled themselves mm-hmm. in all sorts of foreign entangling alliances. And that was a no-no. They were not supposed to do that. No entangling alliances. 
And then the other one, not amassing gold, that's also through oppressive taxation. <laughs> but that's another topic entirely. So uh, that's, how, that's generally how kings or states raise revenue, right, is taxation. And they're not supposed to amass gold. So that means they're not supposed to have oppressive taxation. But uh, that's, like we said, an, an, another topic. So we'll stick with the topic of war for now. But um, war biblically is meant for one purpose and one purpose only, defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are some of the rules for warfare when you do engage in it? Hmm. In Deuteronomy 20, how much, I mean, it's got a whole chapter here. Uh, you can just read some of it. Yeah. There's a couple things that are interesting uh, specifically for our purposes you know, talking about, you know, we have had in our history the draft, you know, selective service, and uh, in fact, if uh, there's been talk about trying to reinstitute that and actually to make women a part of that, and that's a whole other story altogether. You don't have in the law of God permission to enlist women in the military. It's strictly no. forbidden. Yes, it is. Uh, and and there's a number of passages that that refer to that but we're going to go based on that even in this crazy land of uh uh assuming genders and whatnot and and the the transgender issues that we have and that aside we're going to take that as a given for now right okay we're going to take that as a given for now right uh when you go out to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army larger than your own you shall not be afraid of them for the lord your god is with you who brought you up out of the land of egypt And when you draw near to the battle, the priest shall come forward and speak to the people and shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, today you are drawing near for battle against your enemies. Do not let your heart grow faint. Do not fear or panic or be in dread of them. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies, to give you the victory. Then the officers shall speak to the people, saying, Is there any man who has built a new house and has not dedicated it? Let him go back to his house, lest he die in the battle and another man dedicate it. And is there any man who has planted a vineyard and has not enjoyed its fruit? Let him go back to his house, lest he die in the battle and another man enjoy his fruit. Is there any man who has betrothed a wife and has not taken her? Let him go back to his house, lest he die in the battle and another man take her. And the officers shall speak further to the people and say, Is there any man who is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go back to his house, lest he make the heart of his fellows melt like his own. And when the officers have finished speaking to the people, then commanders shall be appointed at the head of the people. Right there, that does not sound like a conscription. No. You are in it, and you cannot leave. The understanding was that if if their cause was just, and the idea was, for the most part, this is a defensive war. Right. And this is the land, you know, God establishes the nations. He establishes boundaries and borders borders. so if you have that no another nation can't just come in and and run you over and oppress you and god will give you the victory and so he's not looking for you know horses or chariots Mm -hmm. he will be the one who gives the victory so you don't need a large group uh, you think of uh, Gideon and the 300 men. He had yep. too many men. He was up to 10,000, and, and God sent them all away. So he was down to 300 because it was God who was going to give the battle, the victory. So you have that, and, and you have how people should be looking 
at these conflicts. In verse 10, it says, When you draw near to a city to fight against it, offer terms of peace to it. And if it responds to you peaceably and it opens to you, then all the people who are found in it shall do forced labor and you shall and shall serve you. Uh, but if it makes no peace with you, makes war against you, then you shall besiege it. And basically, following that, you get to plunder. If they don't offer peace, if they go to, if they're willing to fight, it's that their concept of war was much different than we have. You right. know, we go so far, and then we set up all sorts of treaties, and we actually pour money into the place, and right. it's very different. Very uh, different. Like, but uh, even if they offer peace, then they pay. Yeah. You know, because they right. went to war with you. Right. Mm-hmm. They tried to make war with you. And then you came out in force, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, God decided to make them afraid, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and they wanted peace, then they have to pay for it, you know, for what whatever that would be. Right. But, again, like you said, if they do go, the object of the war is to win the war. You right. go to win, yeah. you know. So, so there is that as well. And one more uh, point, at, talking about besieging a city. Uh, verse 19. When you besiege a city for a long time, making war against it in order to take it, you shall not destroy its trees by wielding an axe against them. You may eat from them. So we're talking about fruit trees. Uh, but you shall not cut them down. Are the trees in the field human that they should be besieged by you? Only the trees that you know are not trees for food you may destroy and cut down that you may build siege works against a city that makes war with you until it falls. Scorch earth policy is unbiblical. Right. And uh, we are guilty of that. Uh, we hmm. bomb indiscriminately. Uh, uh, even in the Civil War, it's you had... Sherman's March. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's where scorch, the, our scorched earth policy came from. Right. Yep. That the was, total war. Yeah. Where you burn the fields... You burn the villages, you burn this, you burned everything. You marched and burn as you go. That is that's where that's when we started doing that. That's when we started bombing indiscriminately, killing indiscriminately. And yeah, that is absolutely wrong. The earth is not ours, you know, we're to be right. stewards of it. This is right. God's earth. Uh, uh in Christendom, back way when. Granted it wasn't perfect and it didn't always work like this, but General, the general rule was you fought away from towns, you fought away from cities, you fought in open fields, then right. the armies did battle one with each other, mm-hmm. and you know, and you left the village. You you tried your best to not destroy private property. You tried your best not to destroy the land. You know, the armies fought each other, and that was that. Right. You know, and then of course we got into the whole guerrilla warfare and all that other stuff. Uh, later on, but I mean that's why the redcoats even like marched the way they marched and lined up in fields and all of that thing. There's still uh, vestiges of of that whole uh, Christian attitude towards war, where you go out and armies fight. Mm-hmm. Now it's we kill everything and everyone, mm. you know, and that is absolutely uh, wrong according to God's standard of war. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, as we read this, we understand the language is archaic and um, some things don't apply. We don't build siege works and whatnot. But the general principle is what we take from it, you know. That's, that's how the law of God guides us and teaches us today. We take 
the general principles from it and glean the truths that are in it and understand the principles that God has given to us and as to how we're to conduct our lives today. You know, so I know there's going to be a lot of objections saying, oh, you know, that was way back when. So God hasn't changed his standards. You know, he still cares about his world that he made. Uh, and who are we to just go in and just indiscriminately destroy it? Mm-hmm. And killing women and children and um, and everything else. They were to be spared and kept alive. Right. And when it talks about taking them as, as uh, slaves and things like that, that actually, back then, we have to understand the historical context of this, too. That was a kindness and a mercy to them. Without their men, if they were just left in that uh, village, because the men were the, the fighters, right? It's basically saying you're only allowed to attack those who can fight, mm-hmm. right? You're only allowed to attack those who, who take up arms against you. If you would just leave the, the women and the children in the city and you just left, right? You've left them completely defenseless. Right. You've left them at the mercy of raiding bands. You've left that at the mercy of the elements. You've, you know, it's, it was a mercy for them to come into Israel and be taken by them. Because remember how God told Israel to treat its slaves. Right. I know we don't like that word today, but the idea was bond servitude. A lot of times these women were taken as wives, and they were they had the full rights, even to the point of inheritance now. You know, these foreign women did. So it was, this was a kindness and a mercy to them. We have to understand the historical context of, of, of these words as well. So we just take the general principles from these and apply them now. Basically, the idea is you fight against those who can fight against you. You don't kill indiscriminately. You don't scorch the earth. You don't just level entire cities and villages. That's not how war is to be waged. Hmm. Right. Yeah, I mean, that really is, I mean, out of, out of that whole section there, it's probably the toughest for most people to think, oh, well, they're supposed to take the women and children? That seems right. like... <laughs> Horrific, <laughs> you know, right? But, to our uh, modern sensibilities, but you exactly. know, historical context is crucial. But mm. yeah, I mean, the slavery back then that we were talking about is is not the the, the chattel slavery like, that we had. No, those children would have become uh, like basically adopted, right? You know, I mean, so it was it was far more merciful than killing them, because, and it was more merciful than leaving them to die on their own because. Back then, I mean, we didn't have the modern conveniences. If there's no, no men there, they're not... Who's going to work the fields? Yeah, who's going to mm-hmm. work... The, I mean, right. that was back-breaking right. labor. To protect them. Yeah, All women and children are going to be able to do that. And the other surrounding uh, pagan nations yeah. would not be anywhere near as merciful to these women and children as right. Israel, who had the law of God. Right. And so there was... You were supposed to love your neighbor. You're supposed to take care of people and treat them the way that God told them to. Right. It was vastly different. It was night and day compared to how the pagans would treat each other and treat their slaves. And they have the gospel. They were serving the one true God. And it was actually to, to have them live, they would be exposed to, to God, to worshiping God, to the law of God. Uh, it truly was the best thing for them. And, you know, 
if, if someone's unsaved and they're listening to this, they're going to think, well, that's just crazy. But hmm. you don't understand the power of the gospel. You don't understand right. how God works in his economy. And if you are saved and you still think this is horrific, this is God's word. <laughs> this is his standard. Right. God of Deuteronomy is the God of today. And so if there's a problem that you see in the word of God, <laughs> mm-hmm. the problem is not with the word of God. The problem is with you. Mm-hmm. So just a, a reminder, because in our day and age, we so often set aside the word of God or we, we have this disconnect between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And um, it's an improper disconnect. Uh, there right. are differences, but God is the same yesterday, today, right. and forever. Right. And so we really need to look to the law of God because it shows us a standard about how we should even be looking at our world today. Right. And we don't do that. No. And that's, and, and that's I'm glad you brought that up about uh, Old Testament and New Testament. Mm-hmm. And yeah, God's standard has not changed. And war is a terrible thing. It was a terrible then. It's terrible now. But that's why the new covenant, one of the new covenant promises. I mentioned um, the passage from Isaiah and Micah before. Uh, and I'd like to just read a little bit of it just to just to f- further explain myself. This is from Micah chapter 4. I'm choosing this one for a reason. It says this uh, in verse 1 of Micah 4. And it will come about in the last days that the mountain of the house of the Lord, that's the church, will be established as the chief of the mountains. It will be raised above the hills and the peoples will stream to it. Many nations will come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us about his ways. The world is supposed to look at the church and see the wisdom that comes from the church, that sees the wisdom, right, Mm. that comes from the word of God. And they'll come to us and say, uh, Come and let us go up to the mountain uh, of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us about his ways that we may walk in his paths. And this is why. For from, the, from Zion will go forth the law, even the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he will judge between many peoples, the Lord will, and render decisions for mighty distant nations. They will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation, and never again will they train for war. This is a peace that is brought about by economic means. Mm-hmm. Plowshares are economic in their very nature and as are pruning hooks. But um, the idea is the new covenant promises as the gospel goes forth, as the word and law of God goes forth from the church, as we disciple the nations, they will start to learn peace. Mm-hmm. So those laws that we read about in Deuteronomy will become obsolete. That's the goal. Right. Is, well, the best way to put it is it, it was a planned obsolescence, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, when you look at... Oh. oh that, no, go ahead. Just, uh, this is the part that I found very interesting. I'm sorry. In verse 4, it says this. Each of them will sit under his vine and under his fig tree with mm-hmm. no one to make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. Mm-hmm. You read earlier about conscription, mm-hmm. saying that um, if anybody has a, a house mm-hmm. that isn't dedicated, let him go and dedicate his house lest another one dedicates it, right? Mm-hmm. 
the idea is, especially in the promised land as it was then, is it was a picture of, uh, I'm trying to find the right words for this, that you will be able to, in part of the new covenant promises, part of the picture that was supposed to be for us in this age about the promised land is that each of us will be able to enjoy the fruits of our labor. That will, when we work, and that's even with our hands now. When we work, we work as unto the Lord, and all of us will be able to sit under our vine and under our fig tree. That is, that we'll be able to enjoy the fruit of our labor. And that was one of the blessings and promises of uh, the new covenant. Because part of the curse that Christ reversed is that, well, if when we sin, other people will be able to enjoy the fruits of our labor, right? Remember what happened to the Canaanites when they got uh, swept away by Israel? Their houses got lived in by Israel, right? right. Israel drank from wells that they didn't right. dig. Yes. They got to eat from... The vineyards uh, they yeah, didn't plant. Exactly. Right. Houses they didn't live in. Uh, houses they didn't build. Right. right, that's part of the curse. Mm. Part of the blessings of God in terms of covenantal obedience is the opposite of that, that we'll all be able to enjoy the fruits of our labor. Mm. So, as we're obedient to the word and law of God... God is covenantally faithful, mm-hmm. and we will be blessed, right? When a nation obeys the word of God, they're blessed. When they disobey and are wicked, they're cursed, right? right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. General, that's the general rule. Mm-hmm. So war is a big part of that covenantal blessing. I mean, we complain about abortion. We complain about all kinds of things that occur here. We kill children here. Yes, we kill lots of children in America here, mm. and God will judge us for that. We talk about the judgment of God, right? Right. Well, what's the difference of us killing our children here and us going overseas and killing children? Do you think God cares about that too? Mm-hmm. Of course he does. Right. It's, mm-hmm. It does no good to complain about the murder of children here while we're okay with the murder of children overseas. Right. By our hand as well. You know, so we have to be consistent in our outlook mm. and consistent in our thinking about the death of... Um, of those who are made in the image of God. We shouldn't take these things lightly at all. Right. So I guess for now, we will take one break, come back, and I guess uh, because we've been going on for a while, we'll uh, do another segment and mm-hmm. maybe even wrap up if you guys are lucky. Recognize when we see your glory flying There's a lot of men dead So we can sleep in peace at night When we lay down our heads My daddy served in the army We lost his right eye But he flew a flag out in our yard Till the day that he died He wanted my mother, my brother my sister and me to grow up and live happy in the land of the free. Now this nation that I love is falling under attack. A mighty sucker punch came flying in from some 
the back Soon as we could see clearly Through our big black eye Man, we lit up your world Like the 4th of July Hey, Uncle Sam, put your name At the top of his list And a statue of Liberty Started shaking her fist And an eagle will fly And it's gonna be here When you hear Mother Freedom Start ringing her bell And it'll feel like the whole We are back, so we're going to continue in our conversation on war. Um, I know with Chris, during the uh, break, you were actually uh, sharing a little bit with something we've been going over in Sunday school, and you were talking about Solomon. Before we uh, talk about Solomon, can we address, can we address the propaganda? <laughs> Just I don't understand what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're good with... Uh, are pro-war and you know, I, uh, you know it's funny. I, I actually like Toby Keith. I do too. Yeah, I, I really do. Just not this old. Yeah, this one is <laughs> tough. This one is tough. Courtesy of the red, white, and blue. Yeah. Um, obviously, he's talking about the attack that happened September eleventh, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, talking about our response. What's that? No, go ahead. No, I was just saying, do we really want to go down this road? <laughs> do we? <laughs> no, honestly, this road. Well, yeah, we're talking about war. This is this is an important topic. Like we were attacked, so like was our war that we waged in Afghanistan and Iraq thereafter defensive? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh at that, but in, in truth, no, it was not. No. For a number of reasons, as we laid out in our in the biblical principles, one we have to fight um, against, you know, those who wage war against us. Now, right. how many of the uh, quote terrorists, and that's exactly what they were. Um, when I say quote, I don't mean that in a derogatory sense. They were definitely absolutely terrorists. But how many of them were from Afghanistan and Iraq? Um. I don't know if any of them were. Yeah, I don't think any of them were. Zero. They were Saudis, weren't they? Most of them? The vast majority of them were something like that? Yeah. From Saudi Arabia. Yeah, Yeah, most of them were from Saudi Arabia. What did we do to Saudi Arabia? Nothing. That's right. They're our ally, right? They're our friends. Yeah, they're our friends. So we didn't do anything to them. Okay. And what military were they part of? Uh, Al Qaeda. Al Qaeda. Is that Uh, military? Is Al Qaeda a military? Not exactly. This is like not, a, not quite. Like a yeah, this type. one is this one. See, and this is this is why it gets confusing in the war that we wage right now. Right but the now, the nation of Afghanistan didn't do anything to us. Right. Yeah. The nation. Yes, we went to war with the nation of Afghanistan. Right, and then later Iraq. Ah, hmm. uh, for sponsoring terror. Right. Well, I mean, it doesn't go back to the whole, you know, the idea of the war on terror. Yeah. And, you know, because they supported, or I guess we're keeping him there or allowing Osama to stay there. That's I thought why he was staying we in Pakistan. To, that's where we found him in the end. But, but I'm pretty sure he was staying in Pakistan. Well, 
intelligence tells us that he was in Afghanistan. Right. Right. And also there were weapons of mass destruction, right? In Iraq, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, very good. Were they right? Mm. Uh no. No. Okay. So so we wage war against uh two nations under under bad intelligence. Mm-hmm. But uh, the that whole weapons of mass destruction thing is actually pretty interesting. Um well, in Iraq, the so Iraq war what? wasn't really about weapons of mass destruction as much as it was about getting Saddam out of there. Well, okay. Right, wasn't it? Wasn't the Iraq war more about a regime change than really weapons? In actuality, or in actuality, or what they told us? Why did America support the idea of a war? Yeah, because of a regime change. Because they wanted to get Saddam out of there. Well, we were told there were weapons of mass destruction. Right, that was one of the rationales they used. Uh, now, now, biblically speaking, now that we've we've gone over some of the biblical standards, just by the simple biblical standards that we outlined, we didn't even outline all of them. Okay, is weapons of if somebody having weapons that can be used for mass destruction a reason for another nation to? Go to war with that nation? No, I mean, if biblically, no. Biblically, no. No. Not at all. No. So, that's a bad reason. How about regi- regime change? Let's look at that one. No. Why is that one wrong? It doesn't fall. Right. That's it doesn't not fall given in line to, with the biblical that's not given our, requirements uh, for war. We don't that's have that our, purview. Yeah. No, we do not <laughs> have that purview. It's not our job. No, it's not our We're job. We're not the police of the world. No. Are you sure? Yeah. Depends on who you ask. Oh, okay. In in Acts 17, Paul tells the Athenians that it's God who sets the boundaries and borders and times for people. Right? Mm -hmm. Right. And we're told that God is the one who raises up kings and tears them down. Mm -hmm. Right? We aren't God. We don't have the authority for regime regime change. We can do it. What's up? Good. <laughs> it's uh, you know we've brought this up before, but it bears repeating. We, as Americans, take so many issues with our government and how we think they do things wrong, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we're we're concerned about abortion. We're concerned about them, you know, supporting, uh, uh, you know, the LGBT agenda, you know, to the to the. Uh, start of persecution of Christians. If you own a business right. and you don't bake a cake, you know we think that the government is wrong. There's so many issues that we take issue with the government with. Yet you want to trust them when they tell you this guy's a bad guy, mm-hmm. and we can see we can get right. someone better in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's just lunacy. Yep. Uh, it's amazing the disconnect that we have sometimes. Uh, when it comes to trusting our government when they're talking about certain issues. And you have to understand, the information that you're getting, you're not getting unbiased information. You're getting fed to you what they want you to know. That's why there's always these, you know, uh, you brought up a podcast that, that we listened to the other day about the uh, the guy who was involved with, like, propaganda. Oh, Jim Hill. Right. You know, to talk about... What's his name? Jim Hill. Jim Hill. You know, and and this guy, they were, he was basically part of the war machine, part of the like mm-hmm. the lobbyists and stuff. And the politicians would come to him to get their talking points to tell the, the media, press, right, right. to mm-hmm. tell us, 
this guy knew nothing five minutes ago. He went to a guy who has a vested interest mm-hmm. in us or... doing something over here. Right. And then that's the line that we're fed. But most people have no idea. No. These are the guy, this is the guy I voted for. You know, I mm-hmm. met him once. I shook his hand. Seemed like a solid dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now he's telling me we need to go to war or we need to see mm-hmm. this guy taken out of power. And we just trust it. There's just a disconnect there with when we realize, you know, that the government's full of sinful people who are mm-hmm. constantly breaking God's law and not looking to apply God's law right. to well, our society. And now we're going to trust them to tell us, yep. oh, we're the righteous ones. We need to do our part to change the regime for the sake of those people over there. And we don't take a look at the Bible to see if we actually have the right to do that. That's right. Well, just look at our own nation. I mean, just going back to what he said, I mean, he's talking about, you know, essentially one of the biggest things was weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. Well, what other nation, what nation has probably more weapons of mass destruction than anybody? Besides us. us. Okay. And the nation who's also used it than before on Japan. Right. But if God forbid somebody was to attack us right. under those conditions, we'd have, you know, we'd be like all up in arms, like, Oh, right. how dare you? You know, what are you doing? You know, and it's just this double standard that we have exactly. right. for double us standard. and for everybody else. Right. right. And, oh man, I completely Plus lost tr- my train, train of thought. thought. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> it just left Rewind the, the tape. And, uh... <laughs> yeah, no, it left the station a while ago. But, um, Man, it really did. It did disappear. Talk, oh, you were talking Jimmy about Hale. regime change. Oh, oh yeah, we were okay. talking about regime right. change. Okay, yes. All right. Two thoughts. First, going back to the idea of regime change, um, that that it's God that raises nations up and tears nations down, right. and God uses means to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. He uses other nations to discipline nations. Right. right. And the best example that I can think of is from Isaiah chapter ten, that God says that He's going to use Assyria. Mm-hmm as a razor to shave Israel, right? Mm. He's going to carve Israel up with Assyria. And he did. But then what's he going to do to Assyria? Assyria. Punish them for their arrogance. Right. I mean, we think that we can go around the world doing whatever we want, whenever we want, however we want, Uh for American interests, Uh destroy families, destroy whole cities and whole nations mm-hmm. destabilize entire regions mm-hmm. and god's not gonna take notice of this mm-hmm. and that's that's lunacy that is absolute lunacy and um oh man now my second point was gone oh jim hale that's right i remember now okay the ex-propagandist what was the name of his uh propaganda uh uh machine it was like Liberty for Iraqi, Iraqi something or other. Yeah. Uh, Warren's looking that up right now. But, yeah, he worked for this group that was that promoted, quote, Liberty for the Iraqis. And, and so obviously they were in favor of the Iraq war. But then when he was there, there was something like some kind of festival going on. And he went, he heard music coming from a tent, right? And he oh, went yeah. into this tent. This is from him. This is a story that he told. He went into this tent and he saw this woman dancing in a beautiful white dress, you know, and whatnot. And he wondered what what was going on. And he looked, and to his amazement, he saw this woman was wearing 
across, and there were they, these were Christians in Iraq, dancing and celebrating with joy in their hearts, singing to the Lord, right? Hmm. And now he wonders how many of them are dead right. because of what we did. And under, yeah, Saddam Hussein was not the greatest man in the world. He was a terrible dictator. Mm -hmm. But there was a measure of religious freedom. Yeah, he was right. actually more oh. secular. Yeah. He the, was, uh, the people yeah. came in, like the Taliban and whatnot, they ISIS were... ISIS and all, yeah, the yeah, Islamic State. Far, yeah, was it ISIS now? And was the Taliban before or was it ISIS then? Yeah. At any rate, mm -hmm. they are far less uh, tolerant mm -hmm. of other beliefs like Christianity. Yeah. So there's mm -hmm. way more persecution of the Iraqi yep. Christians than there actually were under Saddam. What's Way our more. greater priority? You know, the, the, the care and concern for our brothers and sisters or America, you know? I know. Wait. What's up? No, I was just saying I found it. What is it? He was the uh, media relations director at the Committee of the Liberation of Iraq. There you go. A key influencer on behalf of the war party's efforts for regime change in Iraq. See? Hmm. And there it is. But he, but thank God... That since his time there, he has repented, and now he's um, very much outspoken against against our wars. Right. And yeah, he's a, he's a, he is a believer. He's a Christian. He's actually a Presbyterian, I believe. Right. Yes. Yeah, he's part of a OPS. No, no, no PCA church, PCA. A, an Orthodox PCA right, church. Yeah. But um, but yeah, yeah, he has repented of of what he did, you know, in in. Helping provoke America into the war for Iraq, and we thank God for Him and and His work now. But at the same time, we did go to war there, and we do have to deal with the situation. Still at war there. Uh, right. Earlier, during the break, Chris was speaking about. Uh, he thought of something. He thought of like. It's funny. I'm teaching through. Um, First Kings, the life of Solomon, and he thought of uh, something that actually applies to this. So, Chris, will you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, we're talking about there's biblical rules for war, biblical rules for those who are in authority over nations. You know, in, in the case of Israel, it was a king, but again, we can take the general equity of this uh of these laws and apply them to our own situation today god's standards really don't change and of course we do want to see this and there was this uh uh this planning for these laws to be obsolete because obviously we would learn peace and we see you see throughout scripture patterns uh and themes of of what god is doing in the world what he's doing in history and so Prior to Solomon, obviously, his father was King David, you know, and David had uh, he couldn't build a temple for the Lord because he had too much blood on his hands. He was a man of war, but he he waged war righteously. He, he followed after God's law and he had a lot of enemies and stuff. And, you know, Israel was still, you know, establishing itself as a nation, but God gave him victory because he honored the Lord. And so now Solomon comes, and now Solomon is actually able to engage in, in worshiping God and enjoying the prosperity that God had promised to the nation of Israel. Uh, through his father, 
waging that war righteously, the enemies on all sides were put down. Now God gives Solomon wisdom. And what do we see in, in First Kings? You see all the nations hearing about the wisdom that God gave Solomon. Now, now in Deuteronomy, uh, was it prior to that too, when Moses is telling the people about the law of God, he says that the pagan nations are gonna, around are going to see the wisdom of your laws and be amazed at what kind of righteous God you have. You okay over there? First time with the vape? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I'm good. I'm good. Oh, um, called? So, He's saying that the, the surrounding nations are going to see the wisdom of God's law. This is the Old Testament law, the law of Moses, and they're going to be amazed. And now here's Solomon, and God gives him this wisdom. And the kings all around the world are hearing of his wisdom and actually coming to him. And they're bringing tribute to him. And there's trade going on. I mean, you have the, the Queen of Sheba, and she brings a caravan of stuff, and then he sends her back with more than she came with. There's all sorts of trade. But Israel is growing fantastically wealthy. Um, they're at peace where they are. They're actually in, sitting under their fig trees, enjoying that, you know, um, their vine, their vineyards. And this is what God had promised. And when they were faithful... We see how God brings about peace around, around the nations. It was only when Solomon started to actually break the law of God. He went and got horses. He started to marry, acquire many wives, having many political alliances. And they turned his heart away from God because they weren't coming here to um, join uh, in worshiping the one true God. They came as, as part of a political alliance. And they kept their foreign gods, and he loved them, and he wanted to make them happy. So he built them their their idols and their temples and all this stuff, and, and he brought sin and, and, and reproach upon the nation, and God raised up enemies. I mean, uh, Amos 3, uh, verse 6, it says, uh, Does disaster come to a city unless the Lord has done it? Uh, Lawrence just read from Isaiah 10, and you should go back and read that chapter and see... God, in the first half of the chapter, talks about raising up Assyria to judge Israel for their sin. He raises them up. This what he does is he, he'll use a nation to punish another nation, and then he'll see the arrogance of Assyria because in their heart they weren't, well, we're going to do this to please God, and, and right. we're going to be used to righteously judge Israel for their mm -hmm. sin against the one true God. They're like, look how powerful we are. <laughs> look how amazing we are. And so he's then going to turn around and judge them for their sin. Sounds like somebody. Yeah, <laughs> the sovereignty of God as as Christians, you have to understand nothing happens outside the decree of God. Nothing happens except that he brings it about for his sovereign purposes and he uses ordinary means. He uses other nations to judge us, to judge the people of Israel. So what's the answer? <laughs> the answer is to obey God. If you want peace, you don't try to set up you know puppet governments you don't try to do regime right. change you don't try to bomb anyone right. who you think might be a threat to you right. you actually look to obey the word of god right. and watch and see how he brings peace to you and when there is time for war he will show you how to do it righteously but it would not look like what we see today so speaking of what we see today we have an article we want to share 
want to discuss a little bit? Before we do oh, that, I oh. want to talk a little bit more about Solomon. Okay. Um, just real quick, one thing about Solomon. This is something I found interesting when I was going through it, and it's it's pertinent to what we're talking about because we were dealing with Afghanistan and Iraq just a little bit, not in great detail. But um, at the end of chapter 10, it talks about Solomon's sin in, in – um, Gathering to himself horses, right? That was one of the things that a king of Israel was not supposed to do, was build himself a giant war machine, right? Now it says, Solomon gathered ho- chariots and horsemen, and he had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen, and he stationed them in chariot cities, okay? But then at the end of the chapter, a couple of verses later, it says, also Solomon, Solomon's import of horses was from Egypt, the, the place where he was not to go to get horses, right? Explicitly from Deuteronomy 17, and Kueh. And the king's merchants procured them from Kueh for a price. A chariot was imported from Egypt for 600 shekels of silver and a horse for 150. And by the same means, he exported them to all the kings of the Hittites and to the kings of the Arameans or Syrians. Now, later on, the next chapter, it says that a enemy was raised up for Solomon because his heart turned away from the Lord and the enemy that God raised up for one of the enemies that God raised up for him was ruling in Damascus that is in the land of the Syrians so his somebody gave horses to what's that somebody he traded horses with yes yeah, somebody he was traded horses with somebody that he was engaged in arms deals with ended up using those arms those self same arms that he sold them against him. Now, does that sound familiar? Very familiar. Huh. Where did Osama bin Laden get his arms from? Hmm. Oh, that's right, from us. Okay. Right? Where did Where did ISIS get their arms from? From us. That's right, yeah. And where, ISIS being a number of different things, actually. Mm-hmm. But uh, those Syrian rebels that, where we are right now in Syria, um, they're the Taliban, number one, which is really ironic and ISIS, but um, they're getting their arms from us as well. This, There's nothing new under the sun. Mm-hmm. This happened to Solomon. Solomon sinned. He was engaging in things he ought not to have been engaging in. Building a massive military and engaging in these wicked arms deals. I mean, a chair. He was selling chariots and horses to the kings of it. That's equivalent to chair to selling uh, aircraft and tanks hmm. to nations, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Not just selling guns or things like that, right? right. So he was, these these are heavy arms mm-hmm. that Solomon was selling. This is what we do day in and day out here in America, and it doesn't work out well for us when we do this. No, it didn't work out well for Solomon. It doesn't work out well for us. There's nothing new under the sun. God's word is true, and God is faithful. You know, so there's something to be mindful of, and we should sue for peace. This is what I mean. We should just always, always, always plead for peace and pursue it whenever possible, especially in the cases where we are the aggressors. I mean, when I say we, I mean the nation that we're in, America here now is the aggressor. We as Christians should stand up and say, this is wicked and this is wrong. As much as we stand up and say, abortion is murder right. and wrong, mm-hmm. we should stand and say the killing of innocents overseas is wrong. Mm-hmm. 
engaging in wars that we have no business being in is wrong. Mm -hmm. It doesn't help our interests right. while you're bringing the judgment of God upon us. Mm -hmm. right. You're not serving American interests. Right. Engaging in regime changes or whatever else it might be. So, these are the things that we have to think about. And again, don't take our word for it. Explore the word of God and see if these things be so. Mm. But uh, we do plead with you to seriously consider these things. We'll take a quick break and we shall come back and, Lord willing, wrap it up. We are back. So we're coming into the uh, final segment of our discussion here on war. Um, and we just wanted to get a little into a little bit an article um, that we have here by uh, Jason Ditz. Um, and the headline of the article is Dietz. Mattis. Huh? Jason <laughs> Dietz. Dietz? Not Ditz. Dietz? Dietz. Okay, thank you. Um Mattis threatens end of North Korea, destruction of its people. So, I mean, it's a pretty short article, so I'll just read the whole thing. It's only a couple paragraphs. And it just says, uh, Continuing months of war rhetoric, Defense Secretary James Mattis today warned North Korea risks a course of action that would lead to the end of its regime and the destruction of its people. He insisted North Korea needs to immediately stand down. This comes in the context of President Trump yesterday threatening fire and fury unlike the world has ever seen against North Korea for its behavior. Trump followed that up today, insisting America's nuclear weapons are better than ever and that they are the most powerful nation in the world and always will be no matter what. Mattis, for his part, accused North Korea of being to blame for everything, demanding that the state stop isolating itself. As U.S. officials continue to impose new sanctions and threaten a massive war against them, North Korean officials have downplayed the situation, though their state media has suggested they are developing a plan that would involve in, that would involve attacking the U.S. island of Guam and raising the possibility of a preemptive strike on the U.S. if they believe an attack is imminent. The U.S., of course, has constantly threatened their own preemptive strikes against North Korea for years now, and those threats have only grown. This inevitably raises concerns that one side or the other is going to blink first and jump headlong into a calamitous war. Hmm. All right. This is why we're doing this episode, because this is pressing, this is urgent, and this is vital to understand these are two nations who are in sin and need to repent. And the only people who can stand and speak are the Christians. We're the only people who can stand up and call our respective nations to repentance. Mm. Albeit it might be much harder in North Korea than here mm. in America. But what we're doing here in America at least is is absolutely wicked uh, <laughs> I mean granted we know the situation is complex and we're not trying to simplify anything you know I mean for the sake of this podcast we're speaking in very simple terms of course but 
that being said, we need to pursue peace. The end of the regime and the destruction of its people. Now, does that sound righteous to any one of you? No. Our nuclear weapons are better than ever, huh? Hmm. <laughs> what kind of insanity is this? I mean, what kind of bloodlust do we po- do we have? We we do put crippling sanctions on nations, and we expect them not to retaliate in any sort of fashion whatsoever. Mm-hmm. We break our uh, deals and treaties that we've made with uh, all kinds of them. Like we're, right now, Trump is trying to break the Iran deal, the, the nuclear deal that they've been abiding by. He's trying to break it. We've broken deals with North Korea in the past. Why on earth would they trust us? Why right. would they take our word for anything? Mm-hmm. I mean, Uh, it is it's a big mess and it's a terrible situation but we need peace this is not good we're when I mean, we're talking about destroying we're, we're talking about genocide really i mean we, it's we are destroying our, a nation i yeah, mean it said yeah the lead to the end of this regime and the destruction of its people yeah yeah our defense secretary james mattis is today uh this is august 9th is when we're we're speaking right now so, on August 9th, our defense secretary is openly talking about genocide. That's fantastic. I mean, really? This is what, this is what we've become? Mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry. I get very upset at these things. So, I don't, well, I don't mean, even know if I can make a I mean, it goes to, like, I mean, when you were talking before, you know, about Syria and, you know, how they were judged, even though, you know, God used them to judge Israel. You know, they were judged for their arrogance. And just, I mean, that statement, you know, we're the most powerful nation in the world and always will be no matter what. Hmm. Yeah. And that's 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 from the president. That's That's from our president. president. Right. That wasn't even Mattis. That was Trump. Yeah, we we go over there and mock, you know, guys like uh, Kim Jong-un for his crazy claims about, you know, his strength and their ability as a nation and yet we make the same boasts. Are are we currently military uh, militarily stronger? Yeah. But again, we're not appreciating the sovereignty of God. And we're not appreciating our wickedness as a nation. Israel was judged for their sin. And, you know, we talk about, you know, we set these benchmarks for evil, for wickedness. And we think about uh, you know, Hitler. And the, and the Holocaust and six million Jews, we're responsible for the death of tens of millions mm-hmm. of children in the womb. Uh, you know, as a nation, we are pushing God out of the public uh, sphere, the public square, and we are calling evil good and good evil. We are a wicked nation, and it's arrogance on our part it's it's a delusion to think that we're somehow more righteous and we should be calling the shots for what other nations should or shouldn't be doing or how they should or shouldn't be acting right Right. our response has to be repentance and obviously you can't expect that you know from unsaved people except by the power of the gospel right and so the church really needs to understand the times and they need to understand 
what God says. And they need to start thinking differently, speaking differently, and speaking loudly. Right. You're talking about arrogance. I want to read the quote from Trump. It was put out on Twitter. This is what he said. My first order as president was to renovate and modernize our nuclear arsenal. It is now far stronger and more powerful than ever before. Hopefully, we will never have to use this power, but there will never be a time that we are not the most powerful nation in the world. It's oh, boy. He did that in 150 days. Yeah, but, that is Or how, how long he's been president. But, uh, I mean, the, the interesting thing, I mean... Some men trust in chariots. Right, that's what I was Some men in a horse. I mean, like he says, you know, our military can be as powerful as it wants, but, I mean, if God wants to judge, he can do it one person. <laughs> I mean, he yeah. doesn't need... <laughs> you know, I mean, he, he's going to do it. There's no military that's going to be big enough to fight off you know yeah. his judgment on us as a nation exactly once, there's nothing you know that's he could do it for it. internally it yeah. doesn't even have to be you externally know. yeah now yeah i mean we still have the uh the old way of doing war you know mm-hmm. nation versus nation which is the only way you really can do war now you have ideologies you have like right. these lone wolf uh People who are just are indoctrinated to think a certain way, and we have not helped them to think differently because we have killed their family and their friends. We've, you know, bombed their nations, and so they do at times have good reason to view us as the enemy. But the reality still comes back to this is a sovereign God who's decreeing these things. Our economy is a deck of cards. It, it and people are. Uh, he mentioned before, Warren, like, you know, what's, uh, how's Trump doing? Well, the stock market hit 22,000, <laughs> so I guess we're doing great, mm-hmm. you know? Like, if that's our measure of uh, success as a nation, right. uh, our priorities are, are messed up, mm-hmm. you know? And um, that can go away in an instant, yeah. you know? Our, and then what? <laughs> mm-hmm. How concerned are we when we're, when the unemployment rate, is high when you have all these different things going on. Uh, it can quickly get ugly. We saw as as poverty was increasing, what goes along with that crime? You know, we'll devour ourselves from within. Um, God can raise nations against us. He can raise natural disasters. He can just turn a people inward. How many times have we seen that where uh, enemy armies destroyed themselves because God gave them a a spirit of delusion, and they, they attacked each other thinking they were the enemy. Uh, the answer is only repentance. We need to stop thinking like Americans and start thinking like Christians. Our citizenship is higher. <laughs> right, right. And that's not to denigrate, you know, America. We love this nation. We do. Right. And we want to see this nation prosperous. But the only way that will ever happen is if we repent. Right. We can't keep pursuing these war-like means. Uh, for, I don't even know what ends. Like, what are we getting out of this? Well, it's like, if you think about, I mean, sometimes it seems people like people... Huh? People are getting paid. Yeah, people are getting paid. When you, when you think about this the things that we're, we're involved in, you know, we go around, you know, the world getting involved in things and, and like... As a nation, you know, it's like our goal is to promote democracy. Hmm. Right? But it's like democracy is not the gospel. 
No. No. You know, and, you know, people get offended when people say this is not a Christian nation anymore. You know, they say this is a Christian nation anymore. But as Christians, like, we're about, you know, the gospel. You know, we're not, yeah, do we say, you know, is democracy, you know, good? Yeah. 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 But that's not what we're, like, pushing or promoting. Like, that's not what what's going to save, you know, anybody. Democracy is mm. not going to save you. No. You know, the gospel does. Right. You know, and that should be our focus. That should be our priority. Um, you know, and doing things in accordance to the way that God has set forth, you know, by his standard and not, you know, the American standard, so to speak. Hmm. You know. Yep, there, those are two completely different things. Like... uh the gospel and then America's gospel. Mm. <laughs> you said. Yeah, the gospel of democracy. Well, it's like yeah, in the that, gospel of democracy when we spread by bombs. What's up? Well, no, like in the uh, in the interview with Jim Hale when he was talking about the propaganda and, and when he was talking about basically, you know, like when you were talking about like republicanism and stuff like that, you know, it's like basically <laughs> to a certain extent it's like they use Christians the same way like the Democratic Party uses minorities. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, when he was talking about that and as how they were promoting the war and stuff like that um, as part right. of the, the propaganda. Scary. You know, the whole thing is, is really scary. Uh, I don't mean the prospect of war. That's scary enough. But also just um, the fact that so many people who name the name of Christ, who claim to be subservient and obedient to the Prince of Peace are so full of animus and and vitriol and hate that they can't see past uh, their own borders, I guess you can say. You know, and, and or pursue the Word of God to the point of understanding what God says about war I, I mean I don't mean this as a denigration in any sense and I'm, I'm sorry if it comes off that way I, I want us <clears throat> as as a people to be a people of peace you know where we can all prosper where we can all um, thrive that should be the goal the goal is peace and prosperity and that only comes about through the blessings of the new covenant and that's only found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Outside of that, I mean, we are we're truly doomed. Mm-hmm. I mean, Christ's resurrection, when he rose from the dead, he changed everything. He changed this world. He changed this earth. I heard it said this way. Uh, a pastor said it like this, and it stuck with me ever since. When Christ rose from the dead, he dragged all of creation with him. Hmm. He's going about the business of making all things new. Hmm. And we're calling men and women to enter into that new life. Right? Uh, wisdom says, those who hate me love death. Hmm. And wisdom being Christ says that those who hate him love death. He promises new life and that new life comes. Well, part of that new life is obedience to God and his word Mm -hmm. and peace 
and prosperity and joy and happiness and all of those wonderful things that everybody wants that only come about when nations are obedient to the gospel, right? This is why we're two disciple nations. We're told to pray for our leaders, right? Pray for what? Pray for peace so that we can live peaceable lives. That's what Paul tells us, right? Right. right. That's precisely what we're to pay f- pray for. Mm. Um, so please, all of us, let's start praying for peace because we need it. We need it. And let's call the nation to repent so that we might live the, the peaceable life, that we might see the promises of the new covenant come to pass. You know? And again, like we said, it is only through the gospel, it's only through the resurrection of Christ that any of this is possible. So outside that, we're all doomed. <laughs> but um no, but in truth, we do we do mean it from the bottom of our hearts. I don't know, you guys have anything else you want to say? You wanna add? I think I'm good. That sums it up pretty well. Alright, good. So uh again Please, we hope you like us. We hope you uh, we, we didn't offend anybody too much. You know, I mean, I know peace is offensive, but um, <laughs> oh, Jesus said he did not come to fling peace upon the earth, right? But a sword. But uh, that's another topic for another day. <laughs> we can talk about that later. But um, so like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, right? Yeah, and interact with us, man. Send us questions if you have anything you want us yeah. to talk about. You can send us messages, too, Comments, if you want to I mean, you know, yeah. public comment on there. If you right. have if you questions, got something though. to say, let us know. Yep, I mean, send us a private message. Yeah. Email us at uh, crownandcovenant at gmail.com. And I think that's it, man. We'll, we'll sign off now, right? right. Sounds good. Until All right. next time. Yep. Grace and peace. Yeah, as Warren said, grace and peace. We're going to leave you guys with one of the most beautiful songs ever written. So pray for this man's salvation because he's so close. (laughs) 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 But in truth, this is a beautiful song. Let's take it all to heart. Sometimes I lay under the moon. I thank God I'm breathing. And I pray, don't take me soon because I am here for. Sometimes in my tears I drown, but I never let it get me down. So when negativity surrounds, I know
like a horn, there'll be no more horns, and our children will play.